It's Friday. It's beautiful outside. And it's podcast time. So welcome to Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. This is episode number 217. And this one's going to be for the dog lovers out there. But first, if you are new to the show, we're all about overcoming obstacles, about defying the odds, and helping you clear a path to whatever it is that you really want to succeed in your lifetime. Because too many times we let people talk ourselves out of things. We are too busy or we don't have time to do the things we really want to do. And every second of every day, you are one step closer to the end of your life. I know that doesn't sound motivational, but it's fact. So the longer you put things off, the longer it's going to take you to have the happiness that that you want to have. So that's what this show is all about. That's appealing to you. Hang around because we're going to have a great episode. Have a, have a, an awesome guest that will be joining me in a couple minutes. And if you want to know who I am, this is me. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, so before I bring my guest on, you know, we got to do the teachable moment of the day which I kind of already did it in the intro part, (laughs) but it's about not letting people clip your wings. It's one of the worst things you can do. And I know because I've done it. Remember a couple of decades ago, I had a great opportunity that fell into my lap and I let my now ex get into my head and talk me out of it. And had I seized that moment, I mean, obviously I don't have any regrets, but just had I seized that moment, you know, things could have looked a whole lot different in my mid my mid 20s to early 30s but I didn't and then my heart told me to dive in and do this thing but I let an outside voice cloud my judgment so that's that's my teachable moment for today is if you if your heart is set on something follow it through see it through cuz people won't believe you until you make it happen that's just how it is that's that's a fact of life so when I was starting my gym it was at the height of the recession and people are like, you don't have a college degree. You don't have any type of business background. And, you know, the market's crazy right now. Like, you're never going to be able to do this. And here we are 12 years later, right? So it's all about finding what fuels your passion and then just see it through, okay? That's today's Teachable Moment. So today, we're going to be talking with a gentleman by the name of Jeff Allen. 
He is the co-founder of Monkey's House and Dog Hospice. I think I said that right. If I didn't, I, I apologize, Jeff. And Sanctuary. So he's an award-winning and best-selling author of Where Dogs Go to Live. And he runs Monkey's House with his wife, Michelle. A 2017 CNN Hero recipient. So let's get the rest of his story from him. So let's welcome Jeff into the show. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. And thank you for having me on today. My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to share, share with us. Uh, where are you joining me from? I'm sorry? Where are you joining me from? Oh, I'm joining you from uh, from uh, New Jersey, South Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Nice I'm, way out in the, I'm out in the, in the country. So Okay. Yeah, I'm up here in Rhode Island. Awesome. Let me just bring my mic a little, little closer so I don't feel like I'm yelling. I just don't like having it on the screen, but I'll still bring it closer to me. There we go. All right. So are you originally from New Jersey? Uh, yes, I am. I actually, uh, I've, I've lived in New Jersey most of my life, traveled, lived in a few other places, but uh, called New Jersey home. Nice. Love it. And what do you like best about it? You know, I guess because growing up here, it's it's a lot different than a lot of people think. People think of New Jersey as, uh, as you know, up near up near the city, yeah. uh, New York City, right? Uh, Turnpike. But uh, there's a lot of farmland. You know, it's it's called the Garden State for a reason. And there's still a lot of farmland here. So it's yeah. it's quite diverse from from the beaches to the mountains. It's very mm. nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like speaking of New York, like a lot of people forget that. Like New York City is a small part of New York, <laughs> but that's all they think of. It's like this. It, it takes like eight hours to drive across New York. Like it's a big, big state, but people yeah. only know that the city exists. It's kind of funny. All right. So let's get to know Jeff a little bit better. So through the lens of your best friend, how would they describe you? I think uh, my best friend would say I'm, I'm driven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm committed to, uh, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I definitely do it. Uh, I'm the, with with my buddies. Uh, usually, I'm the guy who does all the organizing. We meet like once a year and and go to different places. We go to Pittsburgh. We go to Philadelphia. Places, different cities. Um, and I'm the guy who does all the organizing. So they, they. Uh, I guess they say you could say you can count on me. My best friend would say. Oh, I love it. Awesome. So, what was your childhood dream? Like, what did you see yourself doing as a kid? You know, it's funny you ask that. A lot of people always ask that. I, I had a hard t- hard time answering a question like that because I wasn't like, oh, I want to be a fireman, right? Or I want to be a, a soldier type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always uh, thought I'd want to be, uh, you know, sort of teaching. I never I, I never really was a teacher, but uh, I did get into yoga for a while and I was a yoga instructor. Um, so I, I really enjoy that, like helping people um, achieve their goals, sort of what you do in a lot of ways. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, all right. Okay. So, sorry. I'm, I'm uh, taking notes here as we're talking. All right. So, how would you you describe your your time in in school, like elementary school, high school? Um, you know, I, I'd say that uh, you know I had I had friends like like everybody else. Um, I really enjoyed high school. I know I talked to some people and they and they, they dreaded high school, mm-hmm. but I went to a, a school that wasn't that big. Uh, I think we had a total of about 300 kids. So okay. it's not a very big school. Um, a lot of sports. So we were active in sports and in academics, trying to trying to do good. So I, I did go to college as well. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. What sports did you play? Um, well, I was a wrestler for a while, but my main sport was football. Even though I'm not, I'm not extremely big. Uh, I was very good at it. Uh, hey, I, there I was, played, go ahead. Yeah, I played. Uh, I played. Uh, I was an all-state uh, football player, 
believe it or not, an offensive guard, and I'm really not okay. that big. Um, but then uh, I did go to college, and I started playing at college for two years. But I realized that I was, uh, even though I put a lot of weight on, I was way too small. Yeah. I was the blocking dummy for the for the for the varsity team for a couple of years. <laughs> that, that's great. I actually played football one season because I mean, like I'm almost six two now and about one eighty five. But when Back then, I was 5'4", 88 pounds. And my mother just did not want me to play at all. So just one season, my father was just like, you know, if you want to play, let's let's go play. And so I played. I did well. Like I, I went from, from playing the minimum to starting on offense and defense. But my mom came to one game. And in that one game, I got hammered <laughs> and she, did, she didn't come to another game so uh, it's too funny all right so how did you get into doing what you're doing now with the with the rescuing dogs so like did you have animals grow, growing up and just had a natural love for it or is it something you fell into you know we, we did we had animals growing up uh my sister had uh, had a pony at one time and then we had a couple of horses and, and always dogs and cats and different animals uh my mm -hmm. wife michelle she grew, grew up sort of the same way. She was a equestrian. She was in something called Pony Club, which is very similar to like 4-H, um, mm -hmm. but it dealt with with horses. So she was involved in that. Um, then when we got married, we always had dogs and and we, we she did have a horse for a little while. Yeah. And then we started fostering dogs for the local shelters. Um, and she was a nurse. So they would give her all the really uh, – medically challenged dogs, ones that were old, usually had cancer or liver or heart problems. So mm -hmm. she was able to um, to take care of them. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, we've, we had a dog named Goldie, who was a golden retriever. Yeah, uh, They asked her to to take her and see if she could get some weight on her because she was supposed to have surgery like in, within a month. She had a big mass on her side. And mm -hmm. my wife said, something's wrong with this dog. I don't think it should have the surgery. So she took it to our vet which usually you don't do that with fosters, you, you know, the shelters does it. She says, I'm going to take it and, and find out really what's wrong with this dog. Uh, come to find out it was terminal and it was, you know, it only had a month or so to live, maybe a couple of months. Yeah. And my wife said, no, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to have this dog have surgery. So um, we realized at that point there was no resources for dogs and like senior dogs with medical issues what we mm -hmm. call hospice dogs. Yeah. Was, you know, and then, you know, I had a couple more dogs like that and monkey, it's called monkey's house. That was yeah. one dog that we, uh, same thing. The, the shelter vet said, I'll just take monkey home, let him rest and, and, you know, die in a couple of months basically. Yeah. And we're like, no, we're going to make his life the best possible for the time he has remaining. 17 months later, he did finally pass, but he lived 17 months. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, that's awesome. And, and we said, look, there's no funds out there. So we started Monkey's House. So we accept those dogs into our house. We have a little six acres here, a little format. Um, so they come here and they live out the remainder of their lives. That's awesome. That's great. All right. So you said that there really wasn't re resources for for that. So hmm, I don't know. It's like, it's like what what could be done? I mean, obviously, I know you're doing what you're doing. But like, how how could this be be expanded to get more to get more people involved doing something like this? You know, 
and it's funny because we we always think that too because we've, we've been very you know we started in 2015 we've been very successful yeah. we've we've rescued and and live with about 150 dogs now that mm-hmm. uh that were these hospice dogs yeah and people ask us how, how are you going to expand how do you well we really can't expand because we're limited on the space we have here yeah. and it's not something that you can you know because of my wife's expertise in the field it's hard to replicate it what we have been doing is um educating people we have a big facebook following we have about eighty five thousand followers now nice. so across the world so it they really do and michelle my wife's very educational she'll give them tips and she has different uh you know facebook lives if a dog has this type of condition and so i think it, it educates people to take better care of their dogs at the end of their lives and and realize to enjoy their life you know enjoy them all the way up until the end Okay. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the how, like the how you got this done. So you had that, that first dog where you, you were like, no, we're going to, we're going to let this dog live the rest of its life. So how did right. you get from that point to, to starting the business? Like what were the steps you took to get there? You know, it's, I think it's a lot of it is, is just determination on and passion that you have. And it could be for a passion for anything, right? You have a you had yeah. a passion for uh, for health, for the gym, you know, getting people healthy, um, you know. So you can have any kind of passion. I think if you don't have the passion, it's it's you, you might be able to succeed, but it's not as easy to succeed if you don't have that passion. Yeah. So we had that passion for the dogs. I think that's the number one thing. And then you know, today in today's world, social media is key. Yeah. And so my wife started a, a Facebook page. That was the first thing she did. Yeah. Uh, she said she called it Monkey's House, and she she actually even said it's for you, uh, because we lost Monkey and we were grieving. You know, I think a lot of times th- good things come out of grieving, right? You you cause people will will create something like that, and we created this Monkey's House. Mm. Um, so I think those are those are the key things, and then you know it's all about storytelling too, right? So and especially people fall in love with these dogs from Australia, from Germany, all across this country. Uh, it's pretty amazing <laughs> that these people wow. are commenting like crazy about the dogs because we we have a post every night on Facebook explaining how, you know how their day is going. That's that's great. So now, how do you deal with the other end of it when the dogs pass? Yeah, just like anybody who who has their best friend with them at the home, and when the yeah. time comes and they. Uh, you know, they may have to assist them to the Rainbow Bridge, right, to, to heaven. Quote. Um, we do the same thing. And and trust me, some people say, well, is it as sad? It's just as sad for us, even yeah. though if the dog's been here for a month or two, it's it's sad, you know. Um, and we, we try to have vets come to the house uh, to do it at the house so it's more comfortable for the dog. Um, we have a lot of volunteers. So if, the, if a volunteer is really close to the dog, we'll have the volunteer come. Um, and be with that dog. Sometimes the dog's laid on their lap or they're on our laps if mm-hmm. it's if it's a right size dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So so now this this would be so like where like where are you getting the dogs from? We get the dogs from uh, from various shelters. Um, we get a few dogs from other rescues that you know maybe they're not used to taking care of a really sick dog so sometimes we'll get one from a rescue but generally from shelters and i would say that the majority of the dogs we've taken in have come from uh the big uh the big shelter in philadelphia 
Okay. All right. So so now you you get the dogs and just give me some stories. Like what types of things are you doing with them? Oh, I think it's funny. Some of our some of our followers say that when they get old, they want to come to Monkey's house because <laughs> you'll you'll like this, especially because because you're really into health. Yes. We don't feed kibble. We don't feed the bag food. We uh, are more holistic. So we yeah. either feed raw food um, or gently cooked. And it could be the base food could be uh, a lot of times it's turkey, beef. Um, we do use chicken, sometimes mm-hmm. even some more exotic things like alpaca, rabbit, oh. um, all those different type of foods, depending on the condition of the dog. If the dog has, you know, liver problems or kidney or heart then my wife is, has become an expert at nutrition. Yes. Uh, they get uh, supplements, they get mushrooms, uh, you know, and then they get the regular vitamin, I mean, the regular medications as well that the, the vet would recommend. So we're, we're traditional, but also non-traditional in a sense, I guess I should say. And, and Robert, you wouldn't believe these dogs that the shelter vet says is going to be gone in like two months. They're here two years later. Mm-hmm. I think, I really think that food therapy is one of the keys uh, to these dogs' longevity and not just longevity, but enjoying that time they have remaining. Um, along with, of course, the vet care, they do physical therapy if they need to, they do underwater treadmill if they have some mobility issues. So um, they really do quite a few things. We really take care of these dogs. That's awesome. Um, See, I, I, feel, I feel too, it's like when people, when humans get say a cancer diagnosis or something and the doctor will come and say you got X amount of time left. And it's like, you, you really can't, you really can't put that label on someone, you know? And, and, and I feel like that's what you're doing with the dogs. It's like you, you're giving them hope, <laughs> you know, hope you're giving them a reason to want to stay around, you know, like, would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and, you know, the other thing is these dogs could teach us all so much. Right. They, they live in the moment. And like you said, if someone came to me and said, you know what, you got a terminal diagnosis uh, and you have six months to live. Well, you know what the first thing you're going to be? And, and I understand because I would be, too, I guess you're going to be depressed. You're yeah. going to. But you know what? You have six months. Don't waste those six months. Use them the no. best you can. Now, you might not be able to go, go to your gym and do all kinds of exercise, but you can go outside on a sunny day, like a beautiful day today. Uh, you can do some so still. You can still live. And that's. That's um, that's our big tagline is where dogs go to live. That's the book I wrote, right? Um, I'm going to do a little plug here. So where dogs go to live. And that's what it is. You know, I tell stories about these dogs um, living out the remainder of their lives. It could be it could be three months. It could be three years. See, and I wrote down when you said live it, live in the moment, because like that's something that I preach a lot on this show because people are so worried about past things they're so worried about future things it's like you're forgetting today <laughs> you know it's like you are you are alive in, in the flesh today you know so whatever hurt you in the past you know it's i'm not like the get over it type you know like my father passed a couple years couple years ago and it was like we, we watched him pass we had to end this care like that's a moment that i'll never forget you know, but like I've accepted the fact that he's no longer here and I hold on to everything that he taught us and the, all the memories that he left us with. And so it's like 
to sit there and just beat yourself up over it. Like one of my brothers, he, he took it a lot differently than I did. And he, he just wasn't taking care, taking care of himself. I mean, it's like, that's, I'm just sh- showing that not to, not to shame him. I mean, people grieve how they grieve, mm-hmm. but, but the outcomes were completely different, you know, cause I chose to say, okay, is what it is. You know, his time has come. Every family is going to deal with this at some point in life. This is our turn. And then I'm going to do what I can every day to continue to make him proud. You know, and so I feel like when people get sick dogs, if they had your mentality, then they can give those dogs a better ending rather than just giving, throwing your hands up. Like you, you wouldn't do that with an elderly person, (laughs) you know, you would just just let them die, you know, so. You know, Robert, that's, that's the sad thing. The the truth is you kind of hit it there is that most of the dogs, not all, most of the dogs we get, um, obviously they're old, they have major medical issues, they're terminal. And their, their, their people, their parents, dump them at a shelter. It's kind of sad. It's like, look, look. They're, they're, to me, they're your kids. Um, you wouldn't do that, like you said, you wouldn't do that to a family member. And we tell people, look, get educated as much as you can about the condition of the dog, because then you're not going to be so... I guess really ups- I mean, you're going to be upset about it, but you're going to be knowledgeable. Knowledge is power. And you, if you have that knowledge, you're going to know what you need to do to help that dog out. And then you can still enjoy time with them. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they always say that dogs, a man's best friend, you know, and at, in that moment, they need you, <laughs> you know, it's like they need you. And like yes. you said, people are so quick to unload them. But it's like, you know, you have that bond. It's like that dog would never leave your side, you know. So I think what you're doing is awesome. Like I, I remember from the summit when, when you first pitched, I was like, this, this is a story I definitely want to put out there. But um, you had mentioned your, your wife on a couple of occasions. So what's her role in this? So she she's really the expert. Uh I, my role is to, to really help her out in any way I can. I mean, I've gotten also good at doing a lot of different things, giving fluids to the dogs, but she's really the expert. She, she can uh, spot things really quick and, and knows everything about all the dogs that we have here. Like I said, food therapy, I think being an RN uh, has really helped her out uh, a lot of ways. Uh, and she really educated herself. So she is really the expert uh, on knowing how to, uh, to care for the dogs from a medical standpoint. Yeah. Um, more than myself. Um, I do all, I do all the quote back office things, right? Mm. I do the fundraising campaigns with the, you know, the donations and um, you know, t-shirt campaigns, you name it. I, I do all the other things and I, I keep, keep, uh, take care of the farm here and, and the facilities, I guess. Okay. So now you're in New Jersey. Yes. So that, that means it gets cold there. <laughs> so, so what, what's it like in the winter time? You know, you know, it's it's funny because we'll let me tell you, we take field trips with these dogs. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a we a couple of years ago we bought a senior citizen bus that even had a lift for for uh, wheelchairs, which was came in comes in very handy. So we converted that into our dog bus. Awesome. Uh, we have on one whole side is uh, is three layers of crates, different size, big, medium, smalls, mm-hmm. um, and we will put twenty five dogs in there. And we'll go, we live very close to the uh, Pine Barrens, which is a big state forest. So okay. we'll go there 
uh, we always uh, New Year's Day is a big day for us. We like to we, on New Year's Day we like to do uh, what we would wish to do all year, right? And that's to take the dogs out, walk in the park. Um, some of them, if they can't walk, they have, they're in strollers uh, or or even backpacks. You know, it really depends on what the dog's condition is. Yeah. Um, and we'll go every every couple of months. We'll go down to the Jersey Shore, and the dogs will be on the beach. Same thing. And all the volunteers will meet us there. It's it's a lot of fun, and these dogs really eat it up. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture it. <laughs> all right. So, what was your motivation for writing your book? You know, I, it's the same thing as you know the people who uh, you know discard their dogs. Um, these dogs, they deserve to have a life. And I was just telling their stories. I'm here. Here's a bunch of dogs that that people gave up on. Um, and we didn't give up and our volunteers didn't give up and all, you know, the thousands of followers don't give up on them. And it just shows that they still have, they still have a life, still have love to give and love to receive. So share, share one of your favorite stories. Ah, oh, I guess so many favorites. One of my favorites and, and actually Violet, Violet is still here. Violet came in 2017. She, Violet is a, I, she's a mix, but she's probably got some lab in her because she's a black, kind of a black lab, uh, you know, all gray around the muzzle. <laughs> she came with a um, a cancerous mass right between her eyes that was about the size of a fish. We call it a portobello mushroom. It looked like wow. a huge portobello mushroom. And it would flop between her, her face. Um, and again, she was going to be destroyed. So we took, we took her in, um, had that mass removed. And she was with us. And she was, she became my walking buddy in the state forest. She walked forever. Uh, And so she became an imposter. So that's the term we love here at Monkey's House. Usually most people wouldn't like the term imposter. It's a dog that through our food therapy, through the vet care, that we realized they're not really hospice. They could be with a forever family, right? They could be with their family. So she went to to another volunteer to get used to uh, be a home environment just with a single dog because she was going to be adopted out. Well, then she ended up having cancer in her jaw. It was a different type of cancer. So she came back. Um, She's been here for that seven, she's since 2017, that three years since the cancer started in her jaw, they wanted to remove some of the jaw and tongue. And we're like, no, that's, that's not right for a senior dog like that. Mm -hmm. But we used, I said, the non-traditional, we used uh, neoplasine, which is a salve that you can put on cancer anywhere and it kind of eats it away. Okay. Um, so we've been doing that treatment like every six months. She still goes to the park with me every weekend. Um, you know, you can see she's really slowing down, but she's yeah. still enjoying life. I mean, she's, she's one of the stories I talk about in, in the book. That's a, that's a fascinating story. And, and just the, the saddest part was when you said someone gave up on her, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, sharing, like hearing, hearing you, you talk about this. Cause I mean, back in the day, I, I, I mean, I've never had a dog, but like, I've, I'm pretty sure I've said the words before. Oh, why don't you just put them down? You know, like, it's just so normal to just say it, you know, and then just hearing, hearing these stories. It's like, oh my God, like I, I could never do, like, I'll never do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll never do that. Knowing that they can still have so much more to give. You know, excuse me. So, like I said, what you're doing, it's it's incredible. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. So 
what so when when you're educating people what is like the number one thing you want people people to take away well the number one thing we always say is you should you should want to <sighs> not that you're going to but you should want to hug your vet so it's just like your doctor right you want to make sure that that vet has your dog's best interest in mind and even yours cuz like i said we if most vets are traditional vets if you have some thoughts about non-traditional vets uh, I mean, non-traditional modalities, like I said, with the with the cream that we use, mm-hmm. or um, uh, different kind of laser treatments uh, to make them feel better, the the treadmills, then you should talk to your vet about that. A lot of vets are open to that, even if they are the really traditional types. Um, but I say you should want to hug your vet, and you your vet you should again you want to gain that knowledge as much as you can uh, from your vet about whatever is going on with your dog and the conditions of your dog. And so what are your thoughts on this? Because I, like, I'll tell my, my clients, because, you know, in the fitness world, in the sports world, injuries, it's, it's a part of it, you know? So like, it's some, some of the people are going to roll an ankle, they're going to pull a hamstring or just something always happens. But I always tell people to go to multiple doctors, you know, because people forget that we're all human, you know, and the air is human. So going back to what I said earlier about, getting your wings clipped. Like I had a bad knee knee injury, which people know, like that's how this show got started was really for me battling through that. But the first doctor I saw told me I'd never run a jump again, (laughs) you know? And so I'm an obstacle racer. I I, I run track, track and field. I'm on a volleyball league. I'm I'm in a a softball league. So it's like, I'm doing all, all of this stuff completely defying the odds. And, but it's because I didn't listen to that first, that first doctor. You know, so like, would you recommend that people talk to multiple vets? Like if they don't like what they hear from one, like, should they get a second opinion with their, with their animals? Oh, certainly. Just like people, you should definitely should get a second opinion. And you know what? You, you probably, people who have, who have a dog probably have a lot of friends who have dogs as well. Uh, you know, find out who the, who the better vets are, right? Cause like you said, there's, there's some that are, that are maybe not as good as others. Um, yeah. Or some that may be very set in their mindset. Again, just traditional versus they don't want to do anything. And even even it's funny. We uh, we have besides our, our regular vet, we have a couple of regular vets. There's cardiologists. There's specialties too in dogs, right? Cardiologists, ophthalmologists. There's all those things with with the. So we'll take them to the specialists as well. Um, you know, whatever's needed for the dog. Okay. All right, and so. Roughly, how many dogs do you have there? Right now, we have about 22. We have 22 dogs here right now. Okay. At one point, we were up to 31, which was a lot of dogs. That was a lot. <laughs> I mean, 20, 22 is a lot. Uh, during the, the, the heat of the pandemic, because our volunteers, you know, we were trying to do social distancing. The volunteers really weren't coming over. So we were down to, uh, I think at one point, 16 dogs. It was just my wife and I taking care of it. And I actually have a full-time job as well. I, you know, luckily, I'm working at home or I was working at home. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, it was quite challenging. So 16 was like a good number for us. Okay. So now dogs, you know, they have instincts. So are there ever like territory issues? We always, we'll only take dogs here. Well, supposedly that are dog friendly or cat friendly, because there's a couple of cats that run around outside as well. So, yeah. so we say they have to be dog friendly, cat friendly, no bite history. So they have to be pretty, you know, nice dogs in, in that sense, in the behavior wise. But sometimes we do get a dog that 
you know, you think about it, dogs in the shelter, they're not feeling that great. They're probably not going to be aggressive in the first place. Mm-hmm. Then when they come here, it's amazing. Dogs will come here and they will look, they will look, they'll look like they're on their last leg, but then they get the healthy food. They get the vitamins and they get the meds they need. Maybe they go to physical therapy. And next thing you know, this dog is chasing my cat around. <laughs> we, we actually like it if they're, if they're playing like that. Uh, yeah. But there's a couple that once in a while, and we do have different areas for different dogs that are, that are a little bit more aggressive and yeah. they'll be by themselves or they'll be with like maybe just two or three dogs. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, just curious about that, that dynamic and how that works out. Cause I know there are some dogs who are super friendly, but there are also dogs that they're like, this is my spot. Yes. <laughs> oh man. All right. See, the one thing I will say is very tricky because we, same thing, you know, people give the dog treats all the time. We don't give our dog treats that often. When we do, we have to the same thing. Like, we have to separate them. So if they're in a different area, they're going to treats because yeah, the, when you, when that happens, it, it could get very dangerous. Yes. <laughs> True. With, with that many, with that many dogs running yes. around. So I can definitely see that, that getting a little hairy. All right, so you said you, you have volunteers. So what do are, what are they help you with? A uh, little bit. I mean, everything. So they, they one of the main things is they'll help uh, They'll help us um, serve the food. or they'll, I think the big thing is walking the dogs. Um, they'll help with, like, laundry, uh, any kind of tasks. They'll help transporting dogs. So a lot of times, uh, you know, the dog will have to go to the vets. So, I mean, I mean sometimes just like every day of the week. So we'll, some of the volunteers will come and take them to the vets. And I mean, you name it, they, they'll do it. Right. And so you had mentioned fundraising earlier, too. So like what how are you how are you getting funds for this? It's all it's all donations. Uh, we're a 5013C. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not you know, it's funny because I, I know a lot of places. Um, I think in 2017, Michelle was a CNN hero which is really a big deal. Right. And so yeah. we were, we had about 10,000 followers at that time. And then there was like the CNN and then we had another CNN, we had ABC. So there's a bunch of local things as well during 2017. And our followers went from 10,000 to 50,000 like that. Mm. Um, and so I well, luckily I don't have to like beg for money all the time. I know a lot of organizations have to, because it is, and that's how you keep running. Yeah. People just love what we do. And um, I have a big annual fundraiser at the end of the year you know, I have a calendar campaign, T-shirt campaign. And so we have some different campaigns through the year um, and, you know, brings enough money in to, to help run it. So I'm looking at the photos behind you. Like, yes. Have you made a calendar with the dogs? Yes, I've made a calendar the last okay. four years. Okay. Yeah. yeah, just like the way they are arranged back there. I was like, that looks very calendar-like. So Yeah, they people love the calendar. It's it's you know, I would recommend anybody, any kind of uh, if they have a nonprofit of any type, um, you know, and if it if if it already quote fits for a calendar, because calendars are very inexpensive to to create. Yeah. You create them right online. Um, and then you can, you know, make a little bit of money for your organization. Yes. All right. So with you have your book. Is that the only one or no? <laughs> I have another one. This I have a coffee table book. Uh, it's uh, oops, it's okay. Life's a dog bone, <laughs> chew it all day long. <laughs> That's great. What's that one about? Uh, that is actually just it's it's photos of all of our dogs. Um, let me see if I can find one for you. So it's photos of all of our dogs, okay, and it's got a quote on it. Nice. Um, so it's uh, you know, it's 
Like, so it's basically sitting on a coffee table. People pick it. Dog lovers can pick it up and bruise, you know, browse through it. Um, um, nice. And now, are they both on Amazon? Yes, they are. Okay. Good stuff. Anything else in the works, book-wise? Uh, actually, I am. I am currently writing a, a novel now. Oh. So it's it's it has the background of a dog a dog sanctuary, um, and it's kind of a human interest love story. Um, so I guess you you know it it'll, it would fit in the romance uh, category, but I don't you know to me romance is, is kind of not quite the right fit for it. <laughs> so. Where, where do you have the time? You said uh, you're working full time. You're taking care of 22 dogs. You're a husband, <laughs> and you got time to write, to write too. So you know, I, I, it's funny. I, sometimes I'll I'll be in meetings, and when they start a meeting for the first time in a workshop, they'll some of the times they'll have a question, and they'll say, "Oh, what is your favorite uh, TV show or your series?" Right, that people watch on Netflix or whatever. And I'm always like twiddling my thumbs because I don't get to watch much TV. <laughs> I don't, I think, I think that's it. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't watch anything, but I don't watch much. And I, you know, you think about most of us Americans uh, spend a lot of time on the tube watching TV. Uh, if, if you think about that, that's probably three or four hours a day that a lot of us are doing. Um, so I, I like to work on my books. Yeah. Like I love it when people come to me and they just t- tell me about how, how busy they are. <clears throat> and then I'll say, all right, do a time block. You know, so do a time block, like write out your entire day. You know, I wake up at, you know, 4 a.m. I go to the gym at five, like write it all down and see where the gaps are. I say, because I guarantee nobody is outright. So even if you sleep eight hours a day, there's still 16 available. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody is outright for 16 solid hours. It's, there's just no way. So it's like you're trying to tell me you can't fit in 45 minutes to work out <laughs> three times a week. It's like, you know, like when you break it down that way, like, oh, okay. All right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. So what what else do I need, need to know about what you do? Like, like I said, um, I guess, you know, we, like I said, we, we try to get people to be educated about their dog as much as possible. Um, nutrition wise, uh, you know, the sad thing is I don't eat as good as my dogs eat. (laughs) It looks like you eat very well. Uh, you know, healthy wise, Uh, I try to be healthy. I don't eat the fried foods and all that, but, uh, I think, you know, I think we want people to be able to enjoy their dogs, even when they get into that senior stage, right. That older, older age, if they have medical issues, you still can enjoy them. Um, we had a dog, Tequila. Um, he was a Cocker Spaniel. He had he had no eyes. I mean, okay. literally, they had to be removed because of glaucoma. And he was blind in the first place, but the pain was so bad. So yeah. we had him removed. And one of those beach trips I was talking about, here we are walking down, this, down the beach. I had Tequila and I had Hooch, this other co- chocolate Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> going down there and we had all our, all, our, yeah, all our volunteers – and, and here Hooch is, and he stops, and the wind's blowing through his hair. Uh, you know, he's sniffing the seaweed, peeing on the seaweed. He's having a good time. Yeah. And here's this dog, completely blind. He also had cancer, um, but he's enjoying life. And that's what we tell people. Look, if, you know, don't let a, a disability hinder you in enjoying your life. Yeah. 
and that's what these dogs teach us. The dogs teach us so much. Um, you know, I just, I just hope that, uh, you know, someday if I have a major issue, I can always keep that in my mind. Right. And, and like I said, live for the moment, um, enjoy my life, no matter how much time I have left. See, I love that. Now I've had, so I mentioned my, my knee surgery and I've had six others. <laughs> and so, and through each one, well, obviously with the first one, cause that, you know, I still had it uh, lingering that you'll never run or jump again. You know, so like having to just fight, fight through that mentally. But like once I was able to, to come back fully from that one, I was like, you know what? This whole healing thing is on me. You know, it's like I was putting all of my all of my faith into the doctor. He's like, you know, don't put any pressure on it. Don't do any of this. And then once once he said I can start putting pressure on it, I started walking immediately. <laughs> you know, so so like in my mind, it's like I probably could have did this a week ago because you you know they have to err on the side of caution that they don't want to get yeah. in trouble. So I was like, I could have done this a while ago. So with my other surgeries, I, I mean, like I still went to physical therapy, but I told them I'm controlling how this goes. <laughs> I said so. You know, you can tell me what you have to tell me, but just know I'm taking the wheel. And so, like, I think my second major one was my shoulder surgery. And leading up to it, I started doing everything left-handed, everything, because because I was like, this is not gonna be be a hin- a hindrance. So even as far as like playing basketball, throwing the football, you know, because I have five kids, so it's like, and we're, we're very active, so I want to get out there and throw the baseball with them. For I brush my teeth, the practice shaving, you know, it's like there's gonna be no excuses. So when I have this surgery, life isn't gonna change at all. Besides, you know, the first week of pain. You know, something just dealing with that. But then my my recovery was so this happened in November of 2015. And I ran a 13 mile Spartan race that April, (laughs) you know, after having bicep tendon uh, repair. But I only shared that because it goes back to that mentality and what you shared with the dogs. Like they're just like, hey, listen, I I, I can't see, but that doesn't mean I can't live. You know, Rob, you what you're saying is really resonates with me. Right? I had uh, so I lost a sight in my eye here back in 2003, and you know, for a little while I was the victim, right? In a sense, you know, you kind of like, oh, you know, what's going on? And then, you know, and I I did a lot of cycling, I did bike racing. Um, so eventually, I got back on the bike. I said, hey, I can still do this, you know. I you know, and I did. I started doing that again. Um, I also, like other people, I had uh, heart surgery uh, to mm-hmm. to replace a, a, a valve. Um, and within uh, oh, eight months later, I did a 500 mile bike ride in a week. Nice. Um, you know, it's like because I I said it's not going to stop me. If anything, it's better now. It's it's pumping more efficient. <laughs> exactly. <So> let's go. <laughs> I, I said to my cardiologist, "Can I do it?" And he says, "Yeah." He says, "Well, I don't know why you'd want to do it." He says, "But you can do it." I said, "Good." <laughs> So I was back on the bike within uh, within a month or so, you know, starting slow again. And I think I think that's the attitude that that hopefully most people will take, you know, okay, if something's broken, let me fix it the best I can and move on. Yeah, I would say utilize what you have. It's like, okay, so my right shoulder is going to be out of commission for a minute. So left shoulder, we got stuff to do. <laughs> you know, like that, That's just how I've always operated. Like the last surgery I had was in 2020. I had uh, elbow surgery. 
So same thing on the right side. So it's okay, been here, done that. So let's get the left side fired up again. And I still had use of my hand, you know? So so it's like, I really couldn't pick stuff up because it, like, it really affected my tricep more, more than my forearm. So I was able to still utilize both hands. And so pe- people are like, are you supposed to be doing that? I was like, what do you mean supposed to? I was like, I decide what I do. <laughs> it's like I do. It's like I'm not gonna be stupid and you know pick up a 20 pound weight. I was like, but I can hold my water bottle, <laughs> you know. So it's like as much normalcy as you can get, you run with that. Like I'm not gonna just sit in a chair. Woe is me. Can't use my arm. Life sucks. It's like that's got nothing to do with my legs or my other arm, you know. So yeah, maybe I can't play basketball just yet, but I can go for a 10 mile hike. Exactly. Exactly. We have a we have a little dog here now named Ariel. She's like a little Maltese poodle mix, um, cute as anything. Now, when we got her, uh, well, right before we got her, I guess the uh, one of the shelters got her, and she had she was missing both back legs. Well, they couldn't even tell because she was so matted. But when they cleaned her up, they realized she one was like completely gone. The other one was like just a little stub. And uh, so she's been here. We got her healthy enough. Um, and she has a cart, you know, she has a little cart that you just, you put her in a cart. She goes like a, she goes faster than the other dogs that have four legs. Uh, and she's so happy. She gets in that cart and she buzzes off. So it's like you said, you know, you, you use what you have to your advantage and, uh, and, and you adapt, you know, it's, it's the new normal for the, for, for a dog to have that. Yeah, so let share share a couple more of of the dog stories because I like that one. We you know with the dog with the, the no eyes and they're just still out there just doing what they know to do. So I'm sure I'm sure, sure you have plenty plenty of stories in the in the arsenal. Oh, we do. Um, so one was a little Pomeranian, uh, Hannah Hannah Bear. Uh, I called her Hannah Banana, <laughs> and she she came in. She had no hair from the from the neck back because she was oh. that bad of health. Um, skinny, no hair. And she had cancer uh, all the way down her stern from, from top to bottom, um, yeah. memory masses that were actually oozing. Uh, mm. So uh, again, we were going to have, first off, we try to get them, we try to get them some healthy food for a little bit and try to get them a little bit healthier before the surgery so they can survive the surgery. Um, and um, we had to use some of that neoplasia again to eat some of the cancer away because the vet said there wasn't going to be enough tissue to sew back over, right. When they take the masses out. So we did that for a while. And then they did the surgery the day of the surgery leading up to the surgery. The dog was not doing well. Um, but my wife said that, you know, the medications that they give them to kind of put them to sleep for the surgery is the same beginning step for uh, the euthanasia. And she said, you know, she was going to take the chance. It, it worked. They took all the masses out. She still had, they, it spread. So she had cancer elsewhere, but she was with us for well over two years. Loved the beach, loved the snow. Her, the hair grew back in. She was a beautiful dog. Like the hair was probably that longest. It was amazing. And, uh, and she was the one I remember I was saying that she came in all kind of groggy and then less than a week after the surgery, she's chasing my cat. No kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you said that there were there were cats there as well. Are, are they there more so as pets? Yeah, they're we. Are, I mean, they're rescues, but there are you know we res- rescued them. So one of them because we're out in the country, uh, people sometimes dump animals out in the country. 
So I think they see our, you know, oh, it looks like there's some nice place to live. And they just dumped one kitten off. And so we took it. And now it's now it's ours. It's like a barn cat, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. So people wouldn't actually do that. Just yeah. and just leave their animal. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like people that get reptiles and they dump them off in the Everglades. You know, yeah. it's, it's like you didn't know that the snake was going to grow to be 20 feet <laughs> it's like when you got it it's like come on now oh man now it's a problem down there so all right so from here like what do you what are your next steps like what like where do you see this going well i think i think it's kind of what we're doing today we're trying to uh like i said we're trying to to educate other other rescues um, there, my wife works very closely with a, with a few other rescues, uh, and they they've started to have a small hospice uh, uh, area, I guess we want to call that. Or you know, most of the dogs are not hospice; that they will take some hospice dogs in if they get real bad. A lot of times they come here, but um, but that. So I think that's the main thing is to try to get uh, other organizations to uh, understand how to take care of the, the hospice dogs, um, keep making sure people will keep their dogs, um, right? So they don't end up in the shelter. Uh, and um, what's really cool is on Facebook, it was a couple of years ago, someone said, uh, because I've been following you, uh, I went out and I adopted a senior dog with medical issues because, uh, because listening to you, I realized that I could do it. Uh, yes. And we've had that quite a few times. It's, it's really rewarding when someone says that. That's great. Yeah, I I heard once, well, more than, more than once, but I got I got a a private message from someone I went to high school with. Now I, I graduated thirty years ago, right? So I haven't seen this person in a very long time. And but she said just from the things I post online, the videos, the tip tips I post, that she lost twenty five pounds. And she was like, "Thank you for all of your inspiration." I was like, "Wow, you know, it's like you you just never know who's who's actually paying attention to your stuff because." Not everyone likes comments or shares, you know. So, like, just getting that message, I was like, "That's in, that's insane," you know, because like you you'll post something, maybe you'll get two two likes on it, so you just assume nobody watched it, but that's not the case. So, like you said earlier, being on social media is de- definitely key, and if you're doing it for the right reason, and you're like you're not just trying to, I just want to get a million followers. I would say, but to do what? You know, it's like I'd rather have my 5,000 and have my 5,000 be super dialed in to what my messaging is and, you know, trying to help people overcome obstacles, you know, and your message is, I want, I don't want to speak for you, but the message I'm getting is like, don't give up on your pets. But now to that point, my next question is the financial aspect. So like, so what if, what if, you know, the dogs need something that people just genuinely can't afford? So they should check in the area that they live because there's also, there's also nonprofits that will help pay some medical expenses. Um, again, it's probably specific to specific areas, yeah. um, but they could always check. And uh, sometimes the vets would know that or, or the, the local shelters would know that. Um, I know there's even an organization that will pay for your animal to be euthanized. So, you know, sometimes if a pet does need to be euthanized, then like you said, wouldn't you want to be there with them at the end instead of dumping them in the shelter? Because the shelter is going to do the same thing probably with a lot of these dogs. So there is an organization because it is a couple hundred dollars to have the pet euthanized, uh, depending on where you go. 
So, but there is an organization that will will pay for that. Okay, and <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I lost my train of thought on where I was going next with that. <laughs> Sorry, looking back over my notes. Oh yeah, um, is there is there pet insurance? There is pet insurance. Uh, you know, we for us it doesn't work for us because we're adopting the old sick sick dogs. But if mm-hmm. you get a if you get a younger probably if you adopt a, a, a younger dog, maybe even middle aged, um, definitely a puppy, then you can get insurance, um, and then then you would keep it every year, and, and it would help pay for some of the medical expenses. I think it's it's good. Um, it's not. It's not inexpensive, but it's not is it's nowhere near as expensive as vet. I mean, vet bills. You could take a dog to a vet, and and it could be easily, you know, five hundred dollars for something minor, or you know, fifteen hundred dollars for something, you know, not not major, major even. Right. But so it can get very expensive. Um, I, I'm not sure the rates of pet insurance, but I'm I'm thinking it's probably around a three hundred dollars a year range. Oh, that's not that's not bad. Yeah, because I I remember one of my clients, her her dog had to have surgery and i believe she said her bill was seven grand yeah <laughs> something yeah. like that <laughs> you know? yes it's not inexpensive at all yeah that's why i wanted i wanted to ask that about like just what if you know someone's dog does need a major a major surgery they're kind of up there in years and then they they get a quote like that and they just don't have that in the budget correct you know so so like in a situation like that they might have to put put the dog in into a shelter you know so i'm just trying to see i guess I, I yeah i guess what i would say there though is is if is if you have a dog that's that's more senior right and it does have a needs a major medical issue um you try you try to get help from somebody if you can right or, yeah. or scratch i mean i think a lot of people would probably go into debt for their pets mm. um Maybe some people's already and maybe some people just can't, right? Some people yeah. just can't. Um, I understand. I think the last thing you want to do though is take a, a dog that has some kind of major medical issue and put it at the shelter. Because it's mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably gonna end up euthanized and, and in the meantime it's gonna be frightened, it's gonna not be at, at its house, everything is new, doesn't know the people, uh, other dogs are are barking all over the place. I mean, shelters are great, they're needed. But it's not an ideal situation. See, I had a guest on. This was probably I don't know 130 episodes ago. That they they took they took in rescues also, and one thing she had said was like that animal needs you there at the very end. You know, so they're like just imagine something happens to you. You're in the hospital. You don't want to be there alone. You know, so like at that moment, you know, your cat, your dog, you know, wh- whatever your pet is in that moment, like they want you there. You know, like it's it, not about exactly. you in that moment. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to watch it. Like, do, do you think I wanted to watch my father die? <laughs> no, no, but it was probably very comforting for him knowing that we were all there. We got to hug him, kiss him, say goodbye. And then, you know, we had to had to end the uh, end the care. But you know, I think sometimes people forget that pets have feelings also. Oh, you know, you're 100% correct. And I, look, I'm not going to judge anybody, but um, but I will say that you should be with your pet at the end. Some people will say, well, I get too emotional. Well, you know what? It's not about you. Yeah. It's not about you or I. It's about the, it's about your pet, yeah. right? 
Like, it's, their last time. it's their last breath. You should be there with your pet. I don't care how sad it is for you. Buck up and do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, because like you said, when you're on your last breath, you want to be by yourself. No, you want your loved ones there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, give us some final words. So like, what's, what's just like one just strong message that you could give to anyone? Just what's, what's a nice strong message? I would say, you know, the strong message is live in the moment. I think what we said, we talked about that earlier, yes. right? So, so enjoy life, um, no matter what the circumstances, um, you know, like you had some, some, some issues that you worked through. I had issues that I worked through. Everybody in life is going to work through some issues. Um, and I'll say, hopefully they will, because if they didn't, that means maybe they passed too early, right? Because the older you get, the more issues you're going to have. <laughs> yep. um, so, so live in the moment, uh, like these dogs do, they live in a moment they they enjoy their life um no matter what the circumstances awesome love it jennifer comstock how you doing sorry one of my one of my friends just popped on the beat <laughs> all right so with that just let people know again where, where they can get in touch with you you know you can hold up your books again sure uh so what you can go to monkeyshouse.org uh that's m o n k e y s H-O-U-S-E dot org. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Monkey's House. Um, I did, this is the, the book that um, it was uh, a bestseller. And actually, I, I got a, the uh, the gold medal award uh, out of uh, out of one of the, the book contests, uh, Reader's Choice. Uh, nice. And then I also have a coffee table book, Life's a Dog Bone, Chew It All Day Long. And this, actually, Robert, uh, I also have a video out on YouTube called uh, life, life is a dog bone. Uh, it's actually pictures of the dog. It's actually animated dogs singing uh, a song parody I made up of "Life's a Highway." <laughs> had I known, Patrick. had I known that sooner, I, I would have had that video ready to be played. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, well, thank you very much for taking the time to come out and share. It's very, very eye-opening. I'm going to go, go upstairs and pet, pet my kitten a little, a little more now, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so um, I'm going to have – I'm going to connect you with some other people that where you can continue to, to, you know, share your story and let just let the world know what you're doing. Okay. Thank you, Robert. All right. My pleasure. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. All right, so that was Jeff dropping some knowledge. If you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and listen to the rest of the show. And I will be back again on Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up and grind.